Hi, I'm Kristen Wagner, the Editor-in-Chief of Lehigh Valley Style. Welcome back to the LV Edit, where we take you behind the scenes at the magazine and celebrate life in the Lehigh Valley. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, I'm so excited to have my boss, my friend, and the OG style girl, Pam Deller, on the podcast. Pam has been at Lehigh Valley Style for more than 20 years, and she is really the reason why the magazine is what you see it as today. She's also the reason why this is my dream place to work. In this episode, Pam shares how she got her start as a commission-only sales rep, launched our style scene events section, debuted the first ever Insider Happy Hour, took the publication from bi-monthly to monthly, introduced our Faces of the Valley, which is the largest advertising section of the magazine all year and can be found in our current May edition. We talk work-life balance and so much more. This is one of my favorite conversations to date and I just know you're going to love it. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome, Pam. I am so happy to have you, my boss, my friend, and the OG style girl on the podcast. (laughs) I am so honored to be here. And I told you, I'm like, I got suddenly nervous. You are such a great podcaster. I've been listening to you since you launched in January. And I'm I'm like so fearful I won't like live up to your standards here. Oh my gosh. No, you are like the ultimate guest and you had to be the first style girl on the podcast. I'm sure that all of our listeners know you as the publisher of the magazine. Um, Lehigh Valley Style has been in business for roughly 22 years and you've been here for almost that entire time. I'd love if you could share a little bit about your journey to the magazine and and how you started. Um, I think many listening probably aren't aware that you were first hired as a commission-only sales rep after stumbling upon a copy of Style while at a library. So I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about that. That is all very true. Um, let's see. It was fall of 2000 and I had a one-year-old, an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old, all daughters. And every Monday night I went to the Southern High Public Library to have one hour of peace and quiet to myself. And I would, I have loved magazines since the day I got my first highlights for children. Um, uh-huh. I don't know what age I was, but I could not wait for my highlights magazine to come every month. And I would go, uh, you know, then as a grown woman with three children, I would go to the library and I would sit in, I guess, do they still call it the periodical section? Um, <laughs> they I, might. I, I, I know. That's how old I am. I would sit in the periodical section and that's where they kept current copies of all the magazines that were out that month. And they were like in plastic so that people wouldn't like dog ear them too much, but I would sit there at the library and I would read magazines and I just, I just loved it. And I remember in the fall of 2000, I saw this magazine. It was the inaugural issue of Lehigh Valley style. Now I was already familiar with Lehigh Valley magazine. That was like the magazine, um, you know, for the Lehigh Valley, but this Lehigh Valley style intrigued me. And I saw it in the fall 
And then I saw it again in the winter. Their, their first official issue was like Jan, Feb, 2001. So it was bi-monthly. I read it again. And at the time, um, my youngest daughter, Olivia, was just about a year and a half. And I was starting to feel like I want to get back into the workforce. I had, you know, completely taken time off. And I had always been in marketing, PR. Uh, I sold radio advertising. So I thought, but I always loved magazines. And I looked at this magazine and I just had this feeling that I wanted to work at this magazine. And so I called the publisher. I looked him up. I called him. I don't even think we had email back then. I can't remember. Um, mm -hmm. But, and I asked, I asked for a meeting and I, I met with him. His name was Eric Lund. He had launched this magazine. He ha owned another magazine called Susquehanna Style. And he uh, had also had another magazine in the Baltimore area. I went and met with him in downtown Bethlehem. I thought I pitched myself really well. Like I could, you know, be an asset to the magazine. I can sell advertising for you. And he basically offered me a job without pay. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, okay, great. Yeah, you're great, Pam. Um, come on board. And if you sell any advertising, I will pay you a percentage in commission. And that kind of wasn't what I wanted to hear. So I said, I have to think about it. And I went home and I thought about it and prayed about it. And I really thought, what do I have to lose? I could learn something new. I could be a part of something. You know, like I said, I've always loved magazines. I could learn about, you know, being in a magazine. I have a lot of contacts in the advertising industry from selling radio in the Lehigh Valley for about five years. So I accepted and I worked for no money for several months, you know, until like, even if I sold an ad that first week until it ran in the magazine, we were bi-monthly, it could be two months until it ran in the magazine and it could be two months until the person paid their bill. And then that's when I would get paid. So um, it was a really, uh, I didn't make a whole lot of money that first year, but I really, really learned a lot. And that's, you know, that's how I started. Um, and about a year after I started, um, Eric sold the magazine to a local couple, Paul and Lisa Prass, who still own the magazine to this day, um, you know, and they became the owners. I started working for them. They put me on payroll and we kind of grew together ever since. That's amazing. I, I knew that story, of course, but I didn't realize that the first one you had ever stumbled upon was the inaugural yes. issue, which that's yes. amazing. Yes, it was. It was like a test issue that they created so they could go out to businesses in the community and say, hey, we're starting this magazine. This is what it's going to look like. And we'd love for you to advertise in it. And that was, you know, the existing salespeople. There were two paid salespeople at the magazine at the time. And that's what they went out with, like this prototype magazine um, of what it was going to be. Wow. Yeah. And you, I mean, you talk about your love of magazines and that's mm -hmm. something that you and I yes. definitely share. And mm -hmm. that's kind of become my go-to question during any team interviews is like trying to figure <laughs> out if this person who, who is applying for the job, like, do you love magazines? Because it's something that <laughs> I know is something so important to yeah. both of us. It really is. And I look back at how naive I was by telling you know, this publisher, like, I want to work here because I love magazines, because it sounds so trivial. Mm -hmm. um, but it also, it also speaks to the passion, I think, like, if you don't love 
magazines. Please don't work at one. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. And we, we love now when people say that to yeah. us, like, it, know, I know we all look at each other. We all get little tears in our eyes and we're like, okay, she's a good one. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I know you mentioned you had previous selling experience mm -hmm. in radio and mm -hmm. you had become really great at making connections through your experience in the concert promoting industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but what did, I know you said you didn't make a lot of money that first year, but what did that first year look like? And what would you say was kind of your approach to sales in the beginning? Huh, that's a good question. Um, you know, my approach to sales in the beginning was kind of, um, you know, there was a dominant magazine. Lehigh Valley Magazine was a dominant magazine in the community. And what we were trying to do was to differentiate ourselves from that publication. We were coming out as more of a higher end, you know, a targeting a higher income reader and mm -hmm. a higher price ticket advertiser. So we were, you know, trying to elevate our content over our competitors. And that's, that's kind of, that was pretty much the pitch that first year. I mean, when I think about your approach to anything at the magazine, I feel like it was probably consistent then as it is now, which is, you know, whether you're pitching something to a client or partnering with another business, I feel like having a real conversation and authenticity is kind of at the heart of how you do that. Um, do you agree that that's yes, yes. your approach? Yeah, because I, you know, even I hesitated to um, go into radio advertising sales because I didn't ever want to be, you know, at the time to me, a salesperson, quote unquote, had kind of a negative connotation. And I was mm -hmm. determined to not be a salesperson but to have conversations, you know, with a business owner about their business and how we could work to, you know, how they could work with the magazine. We're trying to reach the same audience you're trying to reach. So let's let's do this together. Um, you know, we were growing. I was trying to grow Lehigh Valley style, you know, even before I became a publisher, you know, even as an ad sales rep, it was, you know, my goal to to have the magazine become known in the community and knowing that would help us gain advertisers we were trying to gain readers at the time too so it was all just like this very organic you know not even like a sales pitch just you know like a real feeling like we you know mr advertiser we need you and you and and you need us and we both need each other. We both are trying to reach the same, the same audience. So let's see how we can make that happen, you know, to benefit both of us. And I still feel, you know, that's the conversation that we're having in the community. You know, how can we all work together, um, you know, to, for all of this to be mutually beneficial? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, so over the 20 plus years um, of, you know, being at the magazine, a lot has happened. You became publisher mm -hmm. and there have been many milestones and, and some hurdles. And mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated hearing about a, how a lot of it happened. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, Style Scene, which mm -hmm. has grown to be such a beloved and mm -hmm. iconic section of the magazine, um, that really started with you having this idea to go out into the community and and take photos in order to introduce people to the magazine. Can yeah. you 
tell that story. Yes, I can tell that story. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, it was, um, it was in my early days at the magazine, it was like the early 2000s. And I think in society, there was this rise of the celebrity happening at that time. So like magazines like Vogue and Vanity Fair were covering parties, you know, attended by models and actors and artists and writers and things the public never really had access to before. So suddenly, you know, models who used to be in ads, we would see them in ads, suddenly models were becoming celebrities because we were seeing them, you know, at parties and, you know, these magazines were covering events and it, it was a huge trend in the industry. And, um, you know, I was noticing this as a reader of magazines and, and I also, I was an avid reader of Philly Mag. And at around that same time, they started doing a single page in each issue of notable people at charity galas. And I thought, you know, we could, we could do the same. Um, we didn't have the budget. I didn't, you know, have a photographer. And I, again, I was an advertising salesperson at the time. Um, and as you know now, but most people don't know, we don't have like staff photographers who we just send out, you know, they're, they're waiting at our disposal and we send them out to cover things. You know, we right. hire freelancers. So, and we didn't have the budget to do it. So I personally bought a small digital camera and I started, you know, the magazine would get invites to charity events and I started going to charity events and I would walk around the room and I would say, excuse me, can I take your photo for Lehigh Valley style? And a lot of people said no and <laughs> rolled their eyes. And I tried not to take it personally, but some people said yes. And I would take their photo and then I would write down their names. And we started running a page or two of event photos in every issue. And it just took off. Um, suddenly everyone wanted us, you know, Lehigh Valley style to attend their galas and dinners and fashion shows. And everyone started paying attention to who made it into the next issue. And it, it, it really became one of the things that differ again, differentiated ourselves from our competition. Um, it made us stand out. We were doing something no one else in the community was doing. And it, you know, it happened so organically. And again, it, it helped the charities because here we were, now we were possibly like promoting an event in advance in the magazine. Then we were attending the event and taking photos and then running the photos in the magazine after the fact and raising the visibility of the charity and the visibility of the people who supported the charities. And it, and, and it helped elevate the magazine as well. So it was like such a win for everyone in the community. And, you know, when we started doing reader surveys of, you know, what do you turn to first in the magazine? Overwhelmingly, it became style scene, which is what, you know, we ended up calling the section in the magazine. Um, and, you know, again, we didn't have an advertising budget to promote the magazine. And I didn't have a budget to write checks to support these charities, but we could give them visibility and it gave us visibility back in return. I mean, it was true guerrilla marketing. Yeah. And it was, it was also, 
you spending your nights and weekends, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, going yeah. out and, and taking those photos and yeah, and growing the magazine organically, like you said. Yeah. And then, you know, and it did. And, and as it took off, it, you're right. And I, in the early, I felt so bad because we had so many requests and I don't think that people understood and still don't understand how small our team is. Mm -hmm. So we were working 40 to 50 hours a week in the office to, you know, to publish a magazine. And then we were nights and weekends going and taking photos. And I, I finally, you know, we finally had the budget where then I, you know, I still remember when I ordered the first style wall, you know, it was a, a step and repeat backdrop with the Lehigh Valley style logo on it. And at that time, you know, I had to create a budget to hire a freelance photographer to go to these events. And at that same time, um, you know, we had interns at the magazine who would assist me with things like that. Um, one particular intern stood out, uh, Kelly Herzog. And this was mm -hmm. around the time, the height of, of you know, people in the demand for us to be at events. She became an intern. We worked together a lot. We did the events together. And I was, uh, she graduated uh, from Quizstown. I was able to hire her part-time and then a year later hire her full-time. But that was, you know, really her role started from the demand for the magazine to, to cover events because I couldn't do it myself anymore. And it was, you know, it was really, you know, the community wanted it. The community wanted it. We wanted it. It just became such a great synergy. And, um, you know, that's how we, you know, Kelly came on board. And, you know, I say to this day, I think Kelly and I pretty much know the correct spelling of the first and last name of every single person in Lehigh Valley because we've <laughs> asked them, you know, can I get your name? And, you know, we've written it down and been corrected. And, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was fun. We got to meet a lot of really great people. The Valley is so, so full of, you know, so many worthy organizations working so hard um, to help our community and so many people willing to donate their time and money and talent to support these charities. It's, it's absolutely incredible. That's how you and Kelly know literally everyone <laughs> everywhere we go. Yeah. <laughs> and you do too now too. Kristen. You've worked the style wall many times in your life, in your career since, um, you know, but that's, yeah, that's how it started. Well, and that's kind of, it's a good transition to kind of the same thing with um, our monthly style happy hour events. Mm -hmm. I know that the launch of that, you recently spoke about the first mm -hmm. ever happy hour and not mm -hmm. knowing again, if anyone would even show up. Yes, we were, you know, so we knew the magazine was popular. We knew we were in demand for events, but we had never kind of held our own event or asked people to come to something um, that was ours. And um, a local business owner, a restaurant tour, um, uh, the gentleman owned the restaurant was the starfish at the time. Now it is uh, the twisted olive, but he came to me, he was an advertiser and he was like, Pam, like, like, let's do something. You gotta, you gotta help us as a restaurant, help us. Like, how do you, how can you bring people here? Um, you know, we started talking about doing a happy hour and at the time, now this is 2008. And at the time organizations weren't doing like, monthly happy hours or like it was kind of a right. new concept at the time and I was like I was scared of that like we put it like we didn't even really have social media then 
Like we were just, we put, we made an announcement in the magazine. We told our friends and we said, Hey, Lehigh Valley style is going to be at starfish restaurant. It was April 15th, 2008. And we said, you know, come on out, um, complimentary appetizers and, you know, drink specials. And we were so nervous The team. We were standing there like, is anyone going to show up? And let me tell you, we packed that restaurant and people were lined up to get in the door. And some people finally got in the door and it was so packed. They turned around and left because it was so crowded. And we were just like standing there looking at each other like, okay, so this is a thing. Like people want to come out and socialize with the magazine and they, you know, we're giving them an opportunity to maybe try a restaurant they've never been at before. And, and we started doing that from that point, um, you know, we didn't do the monthly right away, but we started and it eventually grew to be, you know, a big thing for us and as a way to give back to um, our restaurant advertisers and as a way to bring our readers, you know, to get to know us, to get to try a new restaurant, to bring our readers together. And it, you know, it became a really big thing. Style Insider Happy Hours, you know, the second Tuesday of every month. And, you know, it, we met a lot of people. We learned, you know, we, we learned a lot about our audience and our readers and our advertisers. It was a place for everyone to come together and mix and mingle. And, you know, it was kind of just the next level of the magazine in the community. And again, no one was really doing that then, especially none of our competitors, you know, in, in the media space. And of course, it's continued ever since then. And um, up until the pandemic, and, <laughs> and now we're, we're brainstorming ways to bring that back or, or mm-hmm. reinvent it. And mm-hmm. events are back this summer. I know that was something that you and, and Kelly really grew together, of mm-hmm. course. And and in between all of this happening, another milestone was when the magazine went from bi-monthly to monthly. Yes, yeah. Um, and I know that was such a daunting time and a, a thing that you were tasked with and you kind of just, just did it. <laughs> you just made yeah. it happen. Yeah, like somewhere around 2007, um, the owners, Paul and Lisa, said to me, okay, so you're six issues a year, you know, which is bi-monthly. Uh, we want you to go to 12 next year. And I was like, okay, how do I do it? And they were kind of like, you figure it out. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I kind of came up with a plan, like, you know, where we were producing a magazine every eight weeks. Now we had to do one every four weeks. How do we do that? And we literally did it and we added one position to the magazine. So suddenly we were working twice as fast um, wow. and, and, and it was a re- it was a real, it was a real challenge. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think I left the office for about a year. I think I worked seven days a week for that first year. And then unfortunately, um, you know, the U S hit a recession. So suddenly we went to 12 issues a year and the economy dropped the bottom dropped out of the economy. And so many of our advertisers at the time had been home building, carpet and flooring, furniture, all of these things that, you know, businesses were booming, the bottom dropped out of the economy and people, you know, a lot of people had to pull back on their advertising. And suddenly we were faced with, are we going to survive, you know, 2009, right after we went monthly. And, you know, we were literally 
you know, we were counting paper clips <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, writing on scratch tablets on both sides of the paper to save money that year. And, you know, and we survived it. Um, you know, a lot of businesses didn't survive that downturn. Um, I'm proud to say that we did. And, you know, business took off again from there. We continued to grow and, you know, both readership and, you know, advertising. And, you know, we started doing events. Our first event uh, was something called 10, 10, 10. And it was a party on um, October 10th, 2010. And, I, we didn't, this was prior to Kelly being at the magazine and we did like a velvet rope party ticket only sold it out. It was super swanky. No one had done anything like it before. We took an entire half of the floor where AM Lux is now across from edge. Um, it was that we transformed like this whole, um, unused space it used gail gray furniture used to be there and then she moved to the promenade and that space was empty for a short time we took this unused space and we turned it into a nightclub for a night and it was so much fun uh you know we had models and you know martinis and everyone dressed up sass the next year we did um a smaller version of it called 11 11 11 on November 11th, 2011. And I do believe that was the first event that Kelly worked as an intern. You can ask her this. She worked in the coat closet and somebody <laughs> stole, somebody stole someone else's coat and it became this like this big thing. But anyway, it was, it was, it was a really cool event. It was Kelly's, I think it was her first event as an intern. Um, and she can tell you the rest is history from there, but yeah, we started doing events and, we were seeing we could sell out events. We could bring the community together. People were looking, um, you know, th they wanted to be a part of the brand. And it was, it was just a really cool time. And I think we've done, you know, really great events since then. They've grown and, you know, you know, we do our best in Lehigh Valley and Whiskey and Fine Spirits Festival and all kinds of things. So it's just another you know, like another platform for us to be involved in the community. And it, it's been really fun. So fun. And like you said, we're so excited to bring some of those back this mm -hmm. summer and hopefully see everyone out there. Mm -hmm. um, but just, you know, as far as, like you said, moving the magazine forward and continuing to evolve it, I mean, I feel like both editorially and through advertising, so much of that evolution is a testament to you because I feel like it would be very easy for everyone at the company to kind of just keep doing things the way that they've always been done. But I, I feel like that's never been your approach. You're always looking to elevate what we do. Um, what What do you think it is that has allowed you that mindset, I guess. I think it's, it really has to do with survival, I think, because I think any business, um, you know, has, we, has to continue to evolve and grow and meet the needs of the community. I, you know, I've been fortunate at the magazine where we get to work with um, Tom Garrity at Compass Point Consulting. And one of the things that he taught me later in my career 
that I didn't know I was already doing earlier in my career was every, like if you, every business has to have a strategy and your stra- every strategy has to differentiate yourselves from your competitors. And I, I talked about that earlier. That was like how style scene, you know, came, how could we be different in the community? And I didn't understand that to be like a, a true business strategy at the time. To me, it was just very organic, but you have to differentiate yourself from your competitors and everything you do has to matter to your existing and to your future customers. So, so you always have to be listening, like what do people want now? And what are people gonna, going to want in the future? And, you know, um, you know, we do that a lot, like editorially, um, you know, you and I meet and we, you know, we're always looking, you're, you're so great at this, Kristen. You're always looking at what other city and regional magazines are doing. Um, I think that was probably key to me. That was probably where I learned the most um, about, again, I didn't come from a magazine. I didn't know, you know, how to run one, but I would watch other successful magazines, see what they were doing and then see how could we do this in our market? And, you know, always, you know, again, looking what's, what's the next thing? Um, you know, how can we continue to evolve? Because, you know, people are always changing. Ideas are always changing. Um, technology is always changing. So we're always going to have to adapt. And I think, you know, um, you know, thank you for complimenting me, you know, that, that it might be me driving that bus, but I really, you know, that's, that's you driving that bus editorially, like always looking, how can we be better? How can we raise the bar? You know, everyone on the team trying to, you know, how do we raise the bar or move the bar into the elevator, which is a whole other story. <laughs> do you know, I actually had that written down in my notes as like a Pam-ism that as it relates to, to elevating what we do, which is how do we put the bar in the elevator? Do you, do you want to share that story? I, I can share that story. So um, we belong to the City and Regional Magazine Association. And one year, Kelly and I were at the annual conference in Washington, D.C. It was being hosted by the Washingtonian Magazine, who we were in awe of. We're always in awe of our peers because we're this tiny little region. And we're at this conference, as you know, you've been, you know, with these magazines that we aspire to be San Diego 417 and, uh, you know, Denver, like all of our favorite 5280, sorry, Um, you know, Philly Mag, um, Chicago, all these cool magazines. Anyway, we're in Washington, D.C. And it's we're with all of these other magazine publishers and marketing directors. And we're going to a party and they say, so the party is like on the fourth floor. So step over here into the elevator and we'll take you up to the party. So the, the elevator doors opened and there was a bar in the elevator. And when you stepped on the elevator, they handed you a margarita. And Kelly and I were just blown away because it would have been a very ordinary experience to have had a bar outside the elevator, either before you got on the elevator or when you got off the elevator. But because they moved the bar five feet from outside the elevator, inside the elevator, it completely changed the experience. Suddenly the bar was in the elevator. So that was, you know, from the time that that happened, it kind of gave a description 
to what we've always been trying to do. How do we take something ordinary, a bar, you know, out, we step off the elevator, they hand you a drink. How do you make that ordinary experience, that expected experience, how do you make it extraordinary? So that's something that we try to do at events. It's something we try to do in the pages of the magazine. And I think, you know, it's, it is what, it's what keeps you striving for what's next, how to make it different, how to put the bar in the elevator. So that's the bar in the elevator story. <laughs> I love that so much. And it, like you said, it's something that even those of us like myself who weren't mm -hmm. there, we, mm -hmm. we just know what that means. And we mm -hmm. say it all the time mm -hmm. at the office. Mm -hmm. um, and as you were talking about city and regional magazines and the city and regional magazine association, mm -hmm. um, I think, like a lot of people are probably familiar with their local publication, but mm -hmm. maybe not with the genre as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that I wasn't really aware prior to joining the team. I, I thought that I had to be in New York city working mm -hmm. for a Hearst or a Condé Nast um, mm -hmm. in order to live out my dream of, of being an editor for a magazine. So I was so thrilled to discover Lehigh Valley style and mm -hmm. then you know, a whole world of city and regional magazines. Like you said, we subscribe to so many and mm -hmm. have attended so many conferences over the years. And that's where we get our inspiration and our ideas from. What what can you say about city and regional magazines as a whole and mm -hmm. their continued relevance and, and value, even as we see maybe national print titles losing some relevance mm -hmm. along the way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yes, um, you're right. So there, at a time when so many national titles have gone away or ceased print publication, um, you know, and that's where people, oh, you know, print is dying. Um, you know, that's maybe where that comes from. But at that same time, city and regional magazines are continuing to thrive. And to me, um, that's because people are, looking for someone to be the voice of their community, to curate the content, to curate the stories of their community. Um, you know, there's so much info out there. You know, the web, you can just get lost on the web. And so, there's so much information you can get on the web. But then there's also information, you know, that someone in your community has to create. So if you live in the Lehigh Valley and you want to know where to go, who to know, what's new, what's going on, you know, what new restaurant is opening. That's our niche. And that's, you know, that's why we'll continue to thrive and why other city and regional magazines who are creating that content for their specific communities, you know, will continue to thrive because people will always want to know that. And whether they want to know that in print or a digital platform, it's really the same thing. You know, whether they're reading us online or they're reading us in print, they're reading us because they want to know what's going on. I mean, our tagline is the magazine the Valley lives by. And you know, that's, that's our mission. You know, we are an editorial first publication. Our content, you know, is what drives people to us. And, you know, we put that content first content they can't find somewhere else, you know, whether it's print or digital, social media, even our events. I mean, this is, these are all our platforms for us to 
bring our community together and you know they're all a part of our brand and that's really where we shine and you know i started seeing that even through covid like now more than ever a great region deserves a great magazine and that's why we all go to work every day because we want to be that magazine I have goosebumps. <laughs> I have tears in my eyes saying that. Oh, <laughs> but well, it's so and true. It's so true. It's so true. And sometimes we talk about Mr. Magazine, um, Samir, yeah. who's me, who's <laughs> yeah. me at the office. And I know that one thing he said to you, which is kind of what you've referred to here, is like if you can find it on Google, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be in your magazine. Exactly. And that's totally what we're doing is trying to give the Lehigh Valley content and information that they wouldn't have otherwise. Exactly. Um, exactly. Well, and, and speaking of city and regional magazines, um, our May edition is our people of the Valley issue mm -hmm. and it includes our largest advertising section of the year, which mm -hmm. is faces of the Valley. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that you implemented in 2016. And yeah, can you kind of share mm -hmm. the the introduction of that and the success of that section and what the overall value is for a business to be mm -hmm. the face of something? Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, I first heard about um, a special advertising session called Faces um, at a city and regional magazine conference. And don't ask me the year but it was mm -hmm. the publisher of New Orleans Magazine. And we would have these publishers round tables where publishers of, um, you know, maybe 50 or so magazines would get together and share like their best idea of the year. And this particular year, the publisher of New Orleans Magazine said that, um, you know, we did this section, the faces of New Orleans, and we shot it in black and white. And, um, you know, it was a bit, we, uh, we, went to the businesses and said, you know, here's your chance to tell your story in our pages. Um, and they were very successful with it. And the next year I went to the conference, several other city mags had um, introduced faces and their markets and were very successful. And so uh, we went out to the businesses, uh, like and started talking to businesses in maybe 2015, um, like with this idea that we were going to do our first Faces of the Valley special advertising opportunity in 2016. And, uh, you know, and it was going to be this black and white kind of dramatic photography along with the opportunity to share the story of your business. It has a somewhat editorial feel, but we're very upfront about the fact, you know, that it's an advertising opportunity. And you're correct. We launched it in 2016. Um, in our current May edition, you can see our seventh annual Faces of the Valley section. It continues to grow and it continues to be a unique way for a business to tell their story. And, um, you know, our readers love it as well because, you know, they want to. Like, we're all here in the Lehigh Valley together. And the great thing, the, I think one of the coolest things about advertising in a magazine is that the readers of a magazine actually perceive the ads in a magazine to be part of the reading experience. And I didn't just make that up. That's from the magazine Publishers of America, where magazine advertising isn't intrusive in the way that some other maybe TV or radio like cuts into what you are watching or what you're listening to. In a magazine, you're reading something, and especially in a 
community magazine, you know, you're reading editorial about your community and it's accompanied by advertising, uh, you know, businesses in the community. So it's a great way for, you know, readers learn about a new store or a store that's been here all along that now they have a need for. And it's, it's really just part of the experience. Um, but Faces is a unique way to tell your story. Um, it happens once a year. And like we said, you know, the people that do it, we get so many compliments from them saying, I can't believe how many people came up to me and said, I read about you in the current issue of Lehigh Valley Style. And, you know, it, it makes us feel good. It makes the businesses feel good and they get business from it. And that's, you know, that's, that's the whole goal here. That's the whole goal. So um, I, um, uh, David Lipson was um, the publisher of Philly Mag. And I heard him say it best. He just about the magazine in general, not not like faces, um, but about being in the magazine in general, that we make people famous. And I think that is true, whether you're in an editorial, you're featured in an editorial in the magazine or your business, you know, advertises in our pages. Re our readers take notice and, you know, become, quote unquote, famous or well known in the community, you know, because of their involvement in the magazine. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, we have, we have so many stories that we want to tell and mm -hmm. that people in the community want us to tell. And I know mm -hmm. something that you and I always say is that, um, you know, we have, we have 12 opportunities yep. a year to share all of the stories that mm -hmm. we want to tell because we mm -hmm. have 12 issues. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so it, it's, it's such a beautiful way for, you know, we can't return to the same business every single month or every mm -hmm. single year. And mm -hmm. um, I agree that it's it's such a great way to remind the reader. Mm -hmm. um, so something else that I wanted to talk um, is kind of your your approach to life and, and to business and to challenges along the way. Um, something that we hear you say all the time at the <laughs> office and that we now echo, you know what I'm going to say. Yes, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> is life is inconvenient. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no matter what the obstacle is, I feel like as a boss and a leader, um, you're, you're never going to allow us to sit around and just complain about it or, or let us stew in our frustration. Um, your approach is kind of like, okay, like it is what it is. How are we going to handle it and and move forward? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that is part of what makes you such an incredible boss and leader. And you're so good at finding solutions and putting out fires and just dealing with challenges as they arise and helping our team look at things in a more positive way or helping us simplify the goal or, or the task at hand. Um, and I, I'm I'm just curious what what you think it is that has made you so good at that over your career. Well, there were a lot of compliments in there, so thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm just brown nosing over here. No, I mean every every single one. <laughs> so I do say that a lot. Um, life is inconvenient, and you have to get over it. I think, and what I mean by that is, you have to expect challenges, like you have to expect challenges. They're going to happen in, in your personal life. They're going to happen in your professional life. You have to expect them and be ready for them. 
And that by no means, I don't mean to be negative in any way. I actually take it as a positive, like, you know, not like, oh no, something bad's going to happen today. Meaning, I just mean it like, you know what, you're going to, you know, your kid is not going to want to put their pants on one day and you're going to be late for work. Get used to it. You know, you're going to sit in traffic on 22 someday, you know, don't let it ruin your day. Or, you know, you're going to call someone, you're going to be so excited to want to feature someone in the magazine and they're not going to call you back, <laughs> you know, and you're going to have to move on to plan B or, you know, whatever it is. And like life, like life is always going to throw you curveballs. And I think, I think we get really good at living our lives when we accept that and we just figure out how to get around it. You know, don't let it ruin your day. What's the solution here? You know, I use, I spoke one time and I said, you know, it's like, if like a, a meteorite fell in your office and you could stand around all day going, Oh my goodness, look at how big this meteor is. What are we, you know, <laughs> it's gray and it's huge. And you could spend all day talking about this meteor or you could be like, all right, this meteor fell. How do we get it out of here so we can get on with what we have to do? And it's really just that mindset. Like don't get derailed by things. We had this conversation this week, you know, something, mm -hmm something happened in our business that was a setback and as a team we are like what are we going to do about this and i like it's my job to say you know what you're right this was a setback but it it's not you know the printing press didn't break and we couldn't get the issue out and all our advertisers and our readers are aren't upset it was it's something that happened and we'll figure out how to fix it. It wasn't the worst thing that could happen. We're, we have a strategy now to move forward. If we can't, you know, this problem can't be solved. We're going to solve it a different way. Here's how we're going to move forward. And I feel like that has to be done every day, again, in our personal lives and in our, you know, our professional lives and in our businesses that, you know, we have to find solutions. And I think the better we are at finding solutions or, you know, Let's move to plan B and, you know, and let's make plan B better than our plan A was going to be and have that mindset. And, and you no longer have setbacks, you know, you just have things happen and we move forward. You know, we might have to change our direction a little bit, but we're going to find an even cooler way to do something. And, you know, that's been always been my mindset because if it's, I think if you don't have that mindset, you can, you just get lost in the weeds of this happened, that happened, the other thing happened, like, instead of like, how do we, let's just move forward. We got to keep moving. So, yeah, I think that's such a great mindset and so inspiring for everyone listening to hear. Um, and I kind of want to talk about your day to day. I mean, obviously a lot of the time you're, you're dodging meteors and putting <laughs> out fires. Um, but I I want to share with everyone a little bit about what your work day or, or work mm -hmm. week looks like and mm -hmm. your approach to work-life balance, both mm -hmm. for yourself and, and for your team. Um, earlier in this podcast, we talked about when you had probably zero work-life balance mm -hmm. and you were at the office <laughs> yeah. all day, every day. Um, but it's something as an employee that I've always noticed about you and, and have appreciated. So I just love to hear you talk about it a little bit. Well, I think work-life balance, like your work and your life are never going to be in balance, but 
you can always, you know, one at any given, they're never going to be equal, but you know, sometimes your life is going to have to take a little more importance. And sometimes your work is going to have to take a little more importance. And I think being fluid, I think, you know, allowing us as a team, you know, I can only speak for our business, um, you know, allow knowing that, you know, you might not be feeling well this morning, so you need a little bit of time off, but you knowing you're going to work a little bit this weekend, that to me, that's, that's how we balance things. You know, um, I'm not like a punch the time clock, you know, 9am to 5pm. And, you know, uh, like, I think we're people and what we bring to the business. Some days we have better energy than others. Some days, um, you know, life situations have to be handled during work hours, but other times work can happen during life hours. And I just think letting everyone have the flexibility as long as we're all, all performing, you know, as best we can and meeting our goals. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to strive for work-life balance, but, um, you know, knowing that that's, it's always a moving target. It's never going to be the same every day. Um, and, and I do strive for that. And I, especially because, you know, early on in, in building the magazine, I didn't have that. And I think it's important, you know, cause no one, no one wants to be burnt out. It's, you know, you're not going to perform well if you're burnt out. So it's important to try and, you know, find the ways to take the time, you know, during your work day to re-energize yourself or find the things that you do after work to re-energize yourself. You know, I'm a big believer if you're not eating well and you're not physically moving, um, you're not able to, you know, be your best at your job. So, you know, I think we always, when we were in the office every day and we were all bringing our healthy lunches and, you know, getting changed at the end of the day to go to our spin classes or Pilates classes <laughs> or, you know, whatever as we all do, that was, that was a big part of our corporate culture, like our, uh, at the magazine. And I think it's, it, it's so important. It's so important that we're mentally and physically, you know, healthy and that we can talk about, you know, we talk about our problems and, you know, we share a lot with each other about our personal lives, but I think that helps us work together as a team, you know, that we're all striving for that. I agree. It, it's such, it's such a special team that we have and such a special day to day that, that we're blessed with. Um, and, and yeah, I know that a lot of your time at work is sometimes spent growing our team and, you know, as someone who does a lot of reviewing of resumes and interviewing and hiring, um, I'm wondering if you could share for any of the young professionals mm -hmm. listening uh, who would love to work for Lehigh Valley Style or, or just a magazine in general or, you know, maybe somewhere else, um, what advice you would have for them? Yes. Well, um, I, you know, I, you're right. I, I've recently been interviewing quite a bit um, and I'm always kind of surprised when I see um, people graduating from college and like, and I'll interview them and it's so hard because, you know, you can have a great personality and you, you know, did well in school, but, but if you don't have any experience to bring to the table, it's really hard um, 
you know, to bring someone on board. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of internships. Um, it's one of the reasons, um, you know, Kristen had just graduated when she applied for the editor position at Lehigh Valley Style. And I, I was really looking for someone that had experience. But Kristen, you had several amazing internships, Seventeen Magazine, uh, Men's Health Magazine. And I was able, you know, you had recommendations from people who said, you know, if I had a position for Kristen, I'd hire her immediately. And these were, you know, they, they could speak to, yes, you didn't have experience outside of college, but you took the time to get experience in the field that you were interested in working in. And I think that that's so important because so many young people that I talk to, they look great on paper, but I have no other way of, of gauging, you know, how, how great they could be other, you know, and so someone with an internship is always going to stand out to me. Um, and I think it's, I think it's really important. And, and the other thing is, I think that people shouldn't, be afraid to like maybe want to change careers because like here at the magazine i'm not i may not be looking for someone with sales experience you know i'm looking for someone who is intelligent and articulate and can have a conversation and have common sense because to me those are the most important skills we can teach you how to do this or we can teach you how to do that but i can't teach someone if someone's reaching out to me um, hey, I would love to schedule some time to meet with you to talk about a, you know, a position at the magazine and there's typos in their email. I can't fix that. You know, that's something that like, and you know, that's a big one for both of us. <laughs> like, like, don't, don't have typos in your follow-up email or, you know, make sure that you're presenting yourself in the best light. And again, common sense is one that's really hard to hard to gauge. And I've said this a million times, like, I think there should be a test. Like <laughs> Mary had a little lamb. This place was white as snow. Everywhere that Mary went, a lamb was sure to go. What did Mary have? A, a cat, B, a dog, you know, C, a lamb. Like, I feel like <laughs> some people don't like, you know, like, like you have right. a conversation and then at the end of the conversation, they don't have any comprehension. Um, of you know what was just discussed and to me that's just like comprehension and common sense are like key totally key and um there's some of the things i really really look for and i would just you know urge anyone younger again internships you know get to know look for a mentor in your field someone who could even if you could just job shadow them for a day um to learn about what their job is like uh, i think it's such valuable valuable experience yeah, I, I love all of that. And I, I love what you said about not necessarily counting yourself out for mm -hmm. a role because it's not right in line with your major, exactly mm -hmm. what you have experience mm -hmm. in. Um, and yeah, we've, we've done many, many a job shadow, even though we always say that our jobs a lot of days consist of, you know, sitting at our desks, staring at emails. But, right. Do you um, want to sit here and watch me answer email all day? Okay. <laughs> but we, we always manage to, you know, invite someone in when we're reviewing the magazine before it goes yeah. to print or have a marketing meeting or a photo mm -hmm. shoot. So I, I like that a lot. And I, I recently, I spoke at my college and kind of helped 
seniors who were graduating and, and looking for career advice and resume building and, and that kind of thing. And um, a couple of the girls came up to me at the end and were telling me that they've gone on these interviews but haven't heard anything. And I, I kept saying like, well, did, did you follow up? Mm -hmm. And they all said like, no, like I, I, I haven't, I don't want to be pushy. It's been a week. And, and I can always think of, of your voice saying like, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you, you're waiting for that follow-up email. Um, and so many of them were like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm going to go yeah. home and follow up now. Yeah. So. I always say that I purposely in an interview say, you know, I, I, I'm honest about my explanation or next steps. And I'll say like, I'm interviewing for the rest of this week. I expect to be able to start emailing people, you know, back early next week regarding next steps, whether you move on to a second interview. But I purposely pause for a few days and don't respond to anyone, don't get back to anyone because I'm waiting to see who takes the initiative to reach out to me. Hi, Pam. When we spoke last week, you said you'd be reaching out on Monday and Tuesday for next steps. Um, I It's Wednesday. I haven't heard from you. I just wanted to reach out. And and those are the people, like the people that don't reach back, you know, that's a little note on their resume. Like, you know, they never followed up. Yeah. And I think you've provided so much inspiration and all of your your experience and your your Pam-isms throughout this conversation. I just, I think read or listeners are going to appreciate it so much. We end every episode, as you know, by sharing mm -hmm. a recent experience we've had locally. It can be somewhere you went, something you did, someone you met. And I was thinking we may actually have the same one um, because we recently attended an open house event together <laughs> at Copper House in I Upper Bucks County. And I was like, I have a backup because I was like, I think Kristen's going to use that one. So uh -huh. <laughs> who's oh, going well, first? Are you, go you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll take Copper House then. Mm -hmm. um, last week we were able to attend an open house there and it was such a fun afternoon in Upper Bucks County. We got to tour the space and eat some delicious wood-fired pizza. It's such a beautiful spot to, you know, host a wellness retreat or, you know, just to, to stay for yourself. Um, we featured the owner, Pam Anderson, in our April edition and finally got to go check it out for ourselves. And have been since planning how we can get back. So definitely recommend that to everybody. Yes, absolutely. I did that. I wrote down Copper House events and I'm like, oh, Kristen's probably going to take this one. So <laughs> I um, I will say this. Um, I live in the Saucon Valley area. And for the first time ever on Sunday, I went to the Saucon Valley Farmer's Market in Hellertown. And I didn't know, I didn't know it existed. So oh my I had, gosh. I did because I can't see it from like, right. the main road. Um, it's over by the Hellertown Library. It happens every Sunday, um, May through, I believe, October. And I had just the best time um, going there and seeing these, you know, small businesses, uh, you know, a small coffee roastery, a small, um, you know, uh, uh, a booth making dumplings and someone making dog treats. And it just reminded me of like how much I love the Lehigh Valley and our small communities. And like, you know, that $5 you spend at each vendor at a farm market makes such a difference to their business. 
And it, it was just such a feel good experience. I can't wait to go back. And I highly recommend Saucon Valley Farmer's Market or any farmer's market in the Lehigh Valley. They're all fantastic. <laughs> I love that. That I got to go check it out now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I definitely got some great dog treats there, Kristen. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Aw, well, thank you, Pam. Thanks so much for doing this today. Let our listeners know where they can find you on social, get more Lehigh Valley style, anything that you can share. Okay, well, I'm so bad on social, but you can always email me at pdeller at lehighvalleystyle.com. I am not very active on Facebook or Instagram, but um, <laughs> you can find Lehigh Valley Style Magazine at Barnes and Noble, at Giant and Weiss Markets, uh, lots of local places. You can find the magazine online at lehighvalleystyle.com and you can read our digital edition and you can sign up to be a style insider and know about our happy hours and our events and places that we're going to be and, um, you know, and become a part of our community if you're not already part of it. Ah, I love it. Thank you so much. This uh, is great. Thanks, thanks, Kristen. I love working with you. So this was a lot <laughs> of fun um, to do. So thank you uh, for the opportunity. Thanks, Pam. All right. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Pam and our last episode for the month of May. You can expect new episodes of the LV Edit every other Wednesday. Until then, follow me at LV Style Kristen on Instagram. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>